I'm Adam. I'm Mike. And I'm Jim. And this is Topic Lore. It's the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Adam, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Uh, yes. So uh, I'm Adam DeGrandis. I am a game developer artist. Can I do two plugs? Sure. I'm going to do two plugs. You, you should wait for my permission first, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I asked and then I thought the thing about you should just do it and it's easier to ask for forgiveness. Than, yes, I forgive you. Whatever, that thing, you know, whatever. We all know that. So the official one is... Uh, you should check out Desktop Dungeons Rewind, which is a remaster of the classic game from 10 years ago that I am art directing, and you can check it out right now and wishlist it on Steam. That's the official one. The unofficial one is uh, my wife is a very talented artist, Sarah. Uh, she designs and makes really fun rugs under the name S. Jane Craft. So if you need a rug that looks like a cat's face or a strawberry... Or you say, hey, I want you to make, I don't know, this other fun rug that would be that I want in my house. She can do that. And you should check her work out. It's a lot of fun. Okay, that's it. Yeah. I do want a rug like that. Would you <laughs> recommend marrying somebody who has the same job as you? Uh, I mean, we actually made games together. My art studio is called Chickadee. And we started Chickadee together. And so she made games for a bit. And now she is crafty stuff but also sort of games adjacent i don't know would i recommend it i get i guess okay i'm like my, my intuition is that like you want like marriage diversity you want a different yeah. kind of person like like the the whole butch femme thing yeah sure if you have two femme people in a relationship they're gonna like feel like threatened by the other i don't know i don't know how this works <laughs> threatened yeah that's sure <laughs> uh it would be better if one of us were uh, it was like a doctor, maybe, or <laughs> yeah, then something else that's not something that makes money. Something that makes money. Well, I was going to say in the end times, uh, we're both screwed, but really she'll be okay because she can make clothing and all kinds of stuff. I'm totally screwed, so I should be a doctor. My plug is to be a doctor. Me, Adam, <laughs> I should be a doctor. When you say end times, do you mean like when we all live in villages and there's no internet? Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> there's no internet. I think that's that is the current definition. Right. I, I I actually have a pet theory that artists will be treated better in the, the end times. Oh, snap. Because right now you can consume art from all over the world. And the only art you would ever pay for is like the, the top, like the top sure. 0.001% of art. But yeah. if your only source of art is like the one artist who lives in your village, you're going to really care about that artist. Yeah, that's true. They do have to kind of be in that that high percentage. That high, they have to be a relatively high percent, right? Of of uh, uh, kind of quality of work they can produce. Though. Yes. Yeah. Because like novels are still like stacked to the ceilings of the libraries, right? Ooh, like, ooh, of, yeah. Okay. If if there's somebody in the village who has an iPod, that person will be more valuable than the artist. <laughs> How are they charging the iPod? Are you like riding the bike to charge the battery? <laughs> yeah, thing? someone. If there's someone in the village who has a lot of bicycle endurance, they will be more important than the artist. <laughs> right. I was gonna say it's probably the the guy driving the or, or gal driving the dynamo. Okay. All yeah. right. So end times has to be like we've also <laughs> lost all history. Right. Well, I mean, it seems like Adam and I are kind of going to be even as the kind of you know let's say we're the kind of village artists in this timeline like you know a lot of our skills are still just completely utterly useless in a, a world without electricity you know I'll, like I'll, yeah like, <laughs> like uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna rip up like a like a sick fkik rig <laughs> i know that's yes i mean listen like if i handed you a piece of charcoal you'd be like i have no idea what to do with this that's not true <laughs> you're right we can we can make something happen mike and i both live in portland maine which is a small city, but it's also a very, very artsy city. And so there are plenty of painters and potters and all manner of traditional artists here that would be way more valuable than, yeah, I dancers. mean, FKIK rig, that is exactly the shit that I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, like, right. yeah. totally useless. Yeah. yeah, I'm really, I've poisoned my brain with all of the, you know, the Maya plugins I'm going to need. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. just like, yep, that's all. Can't use that where yeah. we're headed. Yeah, yeah. And I'm in a position where like, I'm a programmer. So programmers, because they're good at one thing, they think they're good at everything. So I would just be like every, I would do every job in the village better than anybody else does it. 
Would you, are you saying you would do that? Or are you saying you'd believe that you'd do that? How much how much how much self-awareness is, is happening? How much right now? kayfabe is happening right now? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the listeners can decide. Well you you, you put uh, you put chefs in their place the other day, so I feel like you're you know, Hey, hey, no chefs. You're on a roll. Chefs are right when they're in the kitchen. <laughs> in an industrial kitchen. Right, yeah. We haven't gotten to Mike's plugs or introduction. Yeah, I'm Mike, so sorry. Do you, oh, no, no. This, I mean, this is my fault for taking us on this. No, uh, but yeah, this is how Jim rolls. He loves a during the intro tangent. Yeah, Mike, <laughs> uh, go ahead and do your thing. Uh, my name, my name is Mike Ambrogi Primo, and I am also a game developer. Adam and I are in many ways the same person, and uh, I put out a game uh, with my brother and a friend called uh, Jamestown Plus uh, several years ago. You can play that on your your Switch or your pc or your ps4 probably on your ps5 i don't know i haven't tried that because i can't get a ps5 that's okay the, the ps5 does not exist as far as i can tell yeah it's definitely the most impressively like well-reviewed vaporware i've ever seen <laughs> but yeah that's uh that's me and that's my plug all right are we ready to start on some topics yes yeah let's get it uh, adam your topic is cooking is awesome i mean it's right there isn't it, it yeah <laughs> I, i'm not sure i really have to elaborate it is awesome Boom. So I think all three of us have an appreciation of um, cooking both as a thing that needs to happen. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's work we enjoy, but also it's, I mean, there's so much to it. You make, you know, often you're, you're cooking for family or friends, people you love, and it's a way to nurture both the relationship, but also the person that you're in the relationship with. It's very, very nice. It's, uh, there's room to be creative and inventive. It's like the perfect human thing we've been doing it before there's been like human history basically back before we were homo sapiens yeah yeah it's such a primal thing but it's such a common before we move on to your next point i want to add to your list of virtues here the the thing that i love most about cooking that is like like most people don't realize is that it's a fantastic way to get away from the people that you're nurturing like (laughs) it is if you're yes (laughs) If you're like at a party and you're like, oh, I wish I was any, anywhere but at a party, you can go cook something. Everybody will love you. And for the like, for, but for like an hour, you don't have to talk to anybody. Yes, totally. Absolutely fantastic. And it, that works for your family too. Yep, totally. It, that's so funny. I never would have brought, made that point, but I totally agree with that point. It, like about the party thing too, like related to that, it's like a job. It's a, t- I love a job personally Mm -hmm. i like to like have a space to be and okay cool for the next however long i'm doing this thing you know yes yeah Yeah. there's a release in the sort of clarity of expectation and and responsibility you're just like look make this thing don't screw it up (laughs) it's very straightforward yeah don't screw it up too bad anyway that might be why my cooking isn't super creative these days because i'm like very like like i just can't soak any else you know i'm cooking for for four people and like they need to eat now you know mm. <laughs> like if it doesn't go raw doesn't doesn't come together you know uh i have to like start over you know yeah like, i mean we 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 all have small kids too that sort of changes the arithmetic a little bit you know yeah that, that, that definitely constrains although a lot of the time i will just forget that and just cook something mm-hmm. and winston will be like i'm not going to eat this and then i'm like oh right okay uh I should have remembered you don't like <laughs> mushrooms at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then we'll just make him, we'll microwave him a hot dog and then like, <laughs> sold. He's done. Is he the type of kid that can like find the food he doesn't like, even if it's well blended in the meal? Uh, no, I don't, I, I don't think he has, he's like preternaturally good at that. No. But, but like when I make, for example, I will make turkey burgers and I do this thing that I was taught by, uh, my gosh, gosh, do I have a sister-in-law? Is that what you call it? When your wife's sister? It's it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what you call it. You have a sister-in-law. Yeah. You, uh, grate up a zucchini and put it in the turkey burger and it helps with the moisture. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, he's been a lot, he's been liking the turkey burgers a lot more when I, after I peel the zucchini first so there's okay. no green in the burger yeah no flecks of green yeah do you think it's the fl- i mean are you like are you like pureeing it in there or are there actual chunks there i'm, I'm grading it okay okay i got you got it yes but the flecks of green and probably the, the text maybe even the texture of the skin uh are a turn off for him 
are you texture in food people? Are you like, I can't eat blah because the texture is too weird? I've only got one of those. Tex- what is texture it? is important to me. Okay. I, I'm willing to bet that in three guesses, you two, you two could get it. Jello. It's like a common. It's a common one. No. Is it? Is it Jello related? Is it like an aspic? Uh, it is not. Okay. Are you against Jello, Jim? No, but it's it's got a weird texture. Okay. Interesting. I, Mike, I will gun to my head. You know, just pull the trigger. I'm never going to guess this. <laughs> okay. It's it's water chestnuts. Oh. Okay. That's. Isn't that like a top three? Like it's like mushrooms and then water. You chestnuts. think people are guessing water chestnuts in three guesses? Don't people? Isn't that a top three? <laughs> like texture bothers me. Food mushrooms has got to be number one, right? I would say mushroom. I don't mind my. I like mushrooms, but I would say that. I mean, me too. Good. No, I love yeah, mushrooms. Yeah. But it's got to be the one I hear the most. Is like, oh yeah, the texture bothers. I me. probably wouldn't eat you know? like you know how sometimes you see folds in the mushrooms, like. If you could sure see the do. fold, I'd be like, not eating that. But really, uh, yeah, no, I'm much much more about like uh, visual texture in terms of turnoffs for me. Although, like, mm. for example, I don't like fish, and a lot of that a lot of that is because of the texture. Like, in, in pretty much any way it's prepared. Um, really? Yeah, it's weird. Oh, you huh. know what? The, I haven't. Heard- the other way, the way I do like it prepared is like fish sticks. That stuff's great. <laughs> oh man, incredible. <laughs> or well, that 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 heads off my next question to you, Jim, which is going to be where are you at on on eating eyeballs? Ooh. Uh, but if uh, but that's almost always in a in a fish uh, or seafood context. <laughs> yeah, never uh, never tried a um, a snack that can look back. I don't know what you, I don't know what you call it. <laughs> <laughs> never, never never supped on the window to the soul. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not go that far. Just nothing. Yeah, never after it's dead. <laughs> Is that a common enough thing, Mike, that you have that normally? This is this is like new information to me. The what, the, the water chestnut thing or the no 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 eyeball is our eyeballs actually this is like our eyeballs actually prepared in any cuisine. Uh yeah um uh, the eyeballs I've eaten have been shrimp. Is this real or is this a bit? I can't tell. No 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 this is one hundred percent real. If you go to if you know yeah you uh, eat shrimp pretty much whole. Like you take out the spines, but okay, sure. Well, and if you go to a, a, I mean, I first encountered this in Thailand, but uh, in the states there was a there was a sushi joint I used to go to, um, like an Okinawan uh, owner uh, place that a buddy of mine knew out in Dublin, Pleasanton, and so when we were there and we ordered the shrimp, like the the amebi sushi. My my buddy was like, "Yo, bring out the heads," and they'd be like, "Right on." And then like what they what they would bring out would be the the shrimp, the heads of the shrimp that they had, you know, sort of when they were raw, they they made the sushi with. They would deep fry the heads. Oh sure. Un- until the head, and not like breaded, like just literally the head yeah, yeah, yeah. would be fried until the whole thing was sort of crispy and edible. Yeah. And then they would just be like, "Here you go." Sure, that makes that makes more sense. I don't know when you when you first started talking about eyeballs, I was like. I was picturing like cow eyes or something like things that would maybe oh, need right. two bites, that, but they would explode in your mouth. The shabriri grape. That's got to be a thing. It, it has to be a thing. That's what I thought. Like, oh, this has to yeah. be a thing. But then yeah, it immediately a, felt uncultured that I had never eaten farm eyes before, I guess. It's got to be hard to find in the States. <laughs> I, yeah. Only ever shrimp for me. I was, I, when I asked about the texture thing, it's because my wife has a handful of foods that she's like, I just don't, I can't do the texture. And no part of that statement processes for me. I have no (laughs) foods that texture bought. It's like, it's nutrients. You need it to live, put it in your mouth and chew it up and swallow it. It's fine. Okay. But let's, (laughs) let's flip it around. Do you enjoy certain foods, especially because of the texture? No, it's just not a thing that registers. Wow. Wait, 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 and wait, so wait, whenever wait, wait, anyone is like, oh, I don't like food because of texture, it's just like I you're like talking about a color that I can't see. Yeah, it's crazy. But eyeballs, I actually think eyeballs would be weird. Adam, I'm putting you I'm going to put you on the spot because because when you were over here having lunch uh, the other day, I prepared a tuna sandwich for you. Yeah. And one of the things I did when I made the tuna sandwich right at the end of preparing the salad was I crump crunched up a bunch of potato chips and i yeah. mixed them in sure and then that was on the sandwich and that that was you know that is a largely a textural move i mean yeah it's also but it's also like fats and salts no uh, definitely it's got it's got a few jobs you know but one of them yeah, is can i get the, my tuna salad extra starchy please 
<laughs> crunchy. You get like a nice crunch. I think you get uh, you get a crunch that I would characterize as nice. And I guess yeah. my question is, you you obviously are getting the crunch. Like I watched yeah. you eat this thing. Were you yeah. like that's nice, or were you just like these flavors are good? The texture is completely okay. To what's sure. Happening. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's not like because I could have served it to you. Like I could have put those chips in before, you, like an hour before you came over, and they would have lost every bit <laughs> of that sure. textural. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm full of shit. Because, like, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, obviously, it's like, oh, yeah, it's the crunch. And yeah, sure. I can tell when something's crunchy. It's not like I've got taste blindness. You right, know? right. But are you delighted? Are you like, mm. <laughs> yeah, that crunch, I, th- though. I mean, may- <laughs> it's, I don't know, maybe. I might be delighted. <laughs> it, I will say, I have thought about that i mean when did we when was that three weeks ago four weeks ago yeah about three weeks i think i've been thinking about that sandwich periodically since then it was a really <laughs> good sandwich. and and it during that during that lunch we discovered that we both share a deep appreciation of the sandwich arts and oh yeah i mean i was gonna i feel like it's it now is the time jim to like finally create the first topic lords spinoff podcast <laughs> sandwich and, lords and that Yes, definitely. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It's exactly as rambling and needlessly in depth, but only about sandwiches. Oh man, did, did you ever watch Super Tasters? No, no. This was a, a YouTube series that I did with Ben McGraw, uh, and it's a lot like Topic Lords, except all the topics are soup. Uh, <laughs> oh, I do remember this. I remember this. I never watched this, but I remember this. Because uh, you tweeted about soup like a lot for a while there. And I was like, this is interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like I'm a huge fan of soup. It was just like, it's funny to do something that's just about soup. Like, that's funny yeah. to me. Like, for that to be yeah, the main topic bit. of discussion. Uh, and <laughs> I would say that uh, an episode of Topic Lords is like a fifth as much work or less uh, and gets like oh, ten man. times as many viewers or listeners, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like those those episodes, we would shoot for like half an hour. I would cut that down to like three minutes. Uh, and oh, sure. the, 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 the all the, the camera setups, like the the production totally. values of it, were part of the bit. But also to, to do that bit, you have to do all the fucking work too. Right. Yeah, you actually I have to s- like shoot a nice looking show, right? Yeah, like that's that's a really funny joke to do once or to do for like ten years. But right. there is a big gap of time between those two extremes. That oh man, that's just a lot of work, yeah, isn't it? And also, like at some point, I looked over over our uh, Super Tasters history and realized that like every single episode was like color coded slightly differently, and I was just like. Ugh. This the professionalism thing does not come across. <laughs> that bit does not work because 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 the, the grade yeah. the grade was wrong on the shots. So you're like we didn't we didn't conform these in log space to really you know. I mean, just in in many ways, the professionalism <laughs> thing didn't come across. But that was one of them, yeah. But I did learn that I loved editing video from that, so that's fun. Yeah, oh, editing videos. Hey, th- I mean, you know, I so I I I've taught. Uh, quite a bit. I'm going to be teaching again in the future, uh, college level. And that's actually a thing that I always say to students is like, there's really no such thing as a failure. You know, sometimes it doesn't work out and you still, you know, so there, that's, I, that was a very happy ending. I I like that ending. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's always something good that comes out of a failure that you just have to figure out what it was. Did you edit the Frog Fractions 2 Kickstarter pitch video? The, that that video starred my two roommates at the time, uh, John and Nan, who are now a married couple. In fact, I think they were married at the time too. Come to think of it, ah, um, the the part that is edited like a normal video is edited was edited by Nan because she's a professional video editor. Mm. Uh, but I took that and then I did the rest of the editing, which just mashed it up with all the other bullshit. <laughs> Well, it doesn't. It didn't. It came off as I thought very good. Oh, very positive. Yeah, I I was very very proud of that short film. I got it down to like five minutes, and I thought like this is really good. And I showed it to a bunch of people, and they were all like, "This is too long <laughs> for what it's trying to be." And then I I had to do the the hard cuts. Like, how do I yeah. how do I get two minutes out of this thing? Yeah, that was fun though. That was like a I was I was very proud of that as a like as a short film. Even before the Kickstarter launched, I felt really good about it. Yeah. Yeah, it was like 
proper arm stuff. I don't know. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I guess we should move on to another topic. Are we- yeah, I know. We're 25 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. <so>. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mike, your topic is profound kid questions. Oh, yeah. This happened today, actually. I have a I have an eight-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son, and the daughter is in a, a rock climbing camp this week. And so I've been taking my son on various sort of, what if you didn't have a sister adventures? You know, So we went for a hike, um, just the three of us today. We were sitting there having like like lunch after after the hike, and Julian had been talking about all these things he likes. Like he was, you know, he was talking about he's been into like Sonic the Hedgehog since before he knew those words. Like we would like go into Target when he was like four, and he would be like, "I want Cosmic Cat socks," and I was like, "I don't know what Cosmic Cat is." And then he would like he started describing Cosmic Cat to me, and like the third time this happened, I was like, "Wait, hold on, you're talking about Sonic the Hedgehog." <laughs> And, and, and he just like loved it, you know, and I, and we were talking about that today and I was saying like, yeah, you always, you've always loved Sonic. Like since before you had any, I mean, you literally, I think just saw a drawing of the character and you were like, I like that enough to want to wear it on my body. Uh, just cause the, the, the aesthetic appeal of the design is so strong. And I said, I had a similar experience when I first saw Sonic and like, you know, he's like sitting there chewing his sandwich. And then like, you know, a couple minutes later, he's like, dad, how do you like something? And then he took another bite and he like stared at me and I was like, wait, is that the question? <laughs> how do you, how do you like something? He's like, yeah, did you hear me? I was like, yes, I heard you. <laughs> so, so he's asking me like, how does a human like something, you know? And I was like, all right, I, I, I guess, I guess I can explain this, you know? And I, I sort of took a run at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, which I don't know. I could spare you guys my answer. No, but, I. That, but it was. Yeah, like, no. I think you have to give the answer. <laughs> oh, I basically said like you know, life is just a series of ex- experiences, right? That just come into your body through your sensory organs, you know. And like when you experience something, and it could be a song or a, a, a you see something that you you know like a like a character or a movie or you know uh, just a view off of a cliffside. Uh, or you do something with your body, like play a sport or whatever, and you like, you know, you feel a certain way about it. Like your your sort of brain reacts to it in a certain way, and if it re- reacts in the way that like basically releases chemicals into your brain that feel good, then you you know you learn something from that experience, which is I want I want more of whatever that was, and that's like the most sort of like low level sort of autonomic expression of liking something that I could come up with sitting at a you know picnic table with my kid, and he seemed to basically get it you know but i don't know how useful that's going to be to him in life but i I think that's you know like yeah yeah questions like that even if he doesn't remember the answer he remembers oh my dad is someone who answers (laughs) right right i certainly took it seriously yeah but also like you're laying like a framework for understanding the self yeah i think if i had like i mean i was doing that thing i'm sure you both can relate as as parents of children of a certain age where like i didn't like do any strategic thinking about what i was about to say Oh, yeah. You know, like I just started answering. Yeah. And kind of followed my own nose until I'd said something that basically didn't have too many parts that sounded wrong in it. Um, but like if I was answering questions like that more strategically, right, I would probably sort of like take a beat and be like, what's he really asking me? Mm. Yeah. You know? And and if and even if that is what he's really asking me, like, what is the most useful thing he can learn about this right now besides the actual mechanism of like dopamine release? Yeah. Right? Well, I think there's like- also a lot of value in <laughs> literally a- answering the question asked because like the, he might just mean what he said, and if not, there's value in for him learning how to f- yeah. how to put what he means in, into words. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, definitely it was like, I straight up thought he was like still formulating the second half yeah. of the sentence. <laughs> he was looking at me like, dude, did I stutter? And I was like, oh, no, okay. <laughs> there was a, there's there's some sample from like 90s techno that I'm trying to, it's like from an Orbital song or something like that. And it, mm-hmm. it sounds like it's from like a, a 1950s educational movie uh, where it's, it's somebody mm-hmm. asking, do you think robots could enjoy listening to music? Would you be willing mm-hmm. to work on it? Uh, and, and I remember being very like provoked by this sample, uh, like the Mm -hmm. idea of like, okay, what would it mean to program a computer to enjoy music? Like, and of course, once you've done that, then what you do is you have to provide like some way for the computer to dance. Like that, that's, that part's, that's part's easy. (laughs) You you can do that with a, with an animation rig. Um, 
<laughs> Thank but, God that IKFK uh, knowledge is coming back yes. before exactly. the end times. <laughs> Thank God. You could have the computer just like set a variable in called enjoy to maximum <laughs> on any audio input, but that's not really in the spirit of the <laughs> of the request here. <laughs> Like you have to, you have to detect music, and then you have to detect whether the music is good by some uh, to the computer objective standard. Like this is a this is a really interesting task. Well, it would become objective when you when you encode it in a C program, yeah. Right, but but <laughs> but it would be arbitrarily created based on some concept of taste that you were you were imposing on it. Yes, right? like you would yeah. give it. You would give it aesthetic proclivities that it then was like, this is the gospel of what is good. Right. 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 At, le- that, but, at least I would have done that in the 90s. Nowadays, I might try a more machine learning like, ap- approach. Yeah, yeah. It would actually, we'd actually successfully I'd, I'd, teach it. Too. I'd feed it the entire publication history of Pitchfork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd feed it that in the canon and you'd be like, there you go. Good. And then you're like, I don't, I can't tell if. This robot's really cool or insufferable. I just. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is this profound or. Yeah. Uh, The TV show Westworld on uh, home box office maximum uh, (laughs) uh, does a huge amount of attempting to visualize the inside of a, you know, sort of human uh, intelligence simulation uh, because there's all these scenes where they like, you know, turn up or down the sort of aggression or whatever of of a character that's like on camera, you know, like a person, like an actor yeah. uh, playing a Android. And so they, they, the folks who do all of the graphic design and motion graphics work for the production uh, and actually have to create all those animations on those like kind of like uh, iPads that they're using to configure human behavior. I don't envy them the job. It's, it's, it's gotta like read in like a one second shot, you know? And it's like, <laughs> it's like an abstract representation of an entire person, you know, with little like levers and knobs and stuff. Well, also, but the, the, the fact that it's a one second shot means that they don't have to work too hard. They can just. <laughs> right, no. Yeah, no, there's a ceiling. There's definitely, it has to look more complicated than it is and still basically read. But it's, I thought of it when you said you write this software for a robot to appreciate music. That's very much what they are sort of displaying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you also get like the people who take a screenshot and analyze every every pixel of it. Oh, they count on it. They count on it. That's like a, that's the that's what that's, that's what Westworld's all about. You know, <laughs> is like feeding the the Reddit grist mill. You know. With, <laughs> with- yeah, are they are they still making that show? Incredibly, they are. Wow. They are. Season four is un- unfurling as we speak. We li- So we live on... Did you just hear that motorcycle? No. No. Oh, so I'm just complaining about something that... Oh, that's actually good to know, because I just assume that you can hear people drag racing behind me on every call. <laughs> no, it's like super crisp. We live down a very fun road. It's like a back road, but it has a lot of... It, it actually feels really good to drive. It's got a nice... A pleasing combination of straight straightaways and turns. Um, mm. It's very like car commercially with how it is. I don't know constructed, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but that means that during the summer you have people who race motorcycles at all hours. Oh, because they're like, every single day. This road is dope. Let's go. Yeah, that's what it is. And like, so on, tear down on it. like one on one <laughs> hand, I'm like, yeah, dude, I totally agree. This is a great driving road. I it's wonderful. But as someone who lives here, it's also you know, quit. Don't do that. Please stop doing that. So anyway, yeah. you can just cut all this out. It doesn't matter. I had an actual point to make and I don't remember what it what it was because a motorcycle race. <laughs> I, I remember trying to put my son down for a nap. He must have been like six months old. This was like deep in like the, when he was the worst at sleeping that any human has ever been. <laughs> like while this was happening, there was like some kid, like 16 year old kid had borrowed his parents car and like flipped it over in front of our house just like racing down the street and suddenly like flipped it over and slid into the neighbor's yard it's like this this kid's never getting to sleep that's bananas (laughs) was the kid okay physically he seemed to be okay i emotionally he seemed pretty upset (laughs) one time uh my freshman year of college um i was walking down the street between the dorm I lived and the rest of the buildings in school. And it was, uh, this particular road was fairly wooded. 
a guy drove off the road, uh, drove over a stone wall, uh, like a very New England style, you know, old timey stone wall, flipped the car, four people got out, and then the driver said, nobody call the cops, no one's been drinking, don't anyone call the cops, really loud to the door, like, because, you know, he basically flipped his car in front of these three big dorm buildings. And I think about that guy all the time. And I, I'm assuming the guy, he was just, you know, not only was he not drunk, he was probably very drunk. And the panicked drunken logic that was racing through his brain, like, I've got to do this perfectly. I just got to make sure nobody calls the cops. I have to sound confident. I have to sound safe. Nobody call the cops. I think about that guy all the time. That happened like, yeah between 20 and 25 years ago. yeah the kid who <laughs> crashed the car in front of our house also asked us not to call the cops um <laughs> this was while i was already on the phone to 911 talking about what had happened like <laughs> so i actually didn't call the cops once uh, after something like that happened and it was like it is similarly seared into my mind as like one of the strangest things which is i was driving home from san francisco into i lived in berkeley and so I was coming over the Bay Bridge on the and the you know the way the way Bay Bridge is built, right? It has the upper deck is the cars that are going from uh the mainland over to the peninsula, right? From Berkeley or East Bay over to over to San Francisco. And then the lower deck is the is the you know, the one that you'll be on if you're leaving San Francisco and heading back over to the East Bay. So I was on that lower deck and it was like three in the morning or something. And so there's no cars on there really, which almost never happens. And as we're driving, this SUV that looks like just returned from like Jurassic Park. Like it's like, and not because it looks cool, but because it looks like a T-Rex tried to eat it. You know, like, like every surface of it is like badly damaged. And like recently, like it's it's like got like, you know, broken glass, like jittering around on the hood and stuff. Like it's like truly just had an accident. And it is going the wrong way on the lower deck Ooh. of San Francisco's Bay Bridge. Like it is coming back towards us. This is terrifying. I mean, this is like, yeah. this is, you You know, those of you, and I believe it's all of us who have crossed the Bay Bridge, know, like, this is bad. Like, no. you're never supposed to be going the wrong way on the Bay Bridge. And my man is just like driving, like, you know, like a bat out of hell the wrong way right past us. And a little further up the road, you know, you could see a huge amount of like parts of his car and glass and stuff, like just on the road. And I've always wondered what had happened. You know, like, did he... Did you look up to see if there was like a hole in the... Right, right. And it was, I mean, I think it must be... The, I think it just has to be true that because there were no other cars there, right? Like, I think he must have somehow on the completely unobstructed and empty four lanes of the Bay Bridge, you know, uh, eastbound, like rolled his SUV multiple times and had it land right side up. <laughs> Nailed it. And then he was like... Well, Let's just keep going. going. This has always been my theory. If I keep going, <laughs> the cops will be waiting for me on the other side because there's like cameras, you know, <laughs> on the bridge and whatever. So I got to go back. And so and then he turned around and like bombed back into San Francisco in his exploded car. And but like I've also often wondered if I'm just completely missing something. And there's a much more plausible explanation of what was going on. So when you say you didn't call the cops, like. It was because you saw a bumper sticker on this guy's ruined truck saying, please don't call the cops. Everything is fine. We're not yeah. drinking. Yeah. Yeah. He seemed you. good. Yeah. Yeah. He was fine. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he was just drunk, you know, and he was like, not only have I rolled my SUV in an incredibly observable way to the authorities, but I am also <laughs> roaring drunk and I have got to not get arrested for this. Yeah. Just to bring it way back. Where did you go hiking? Oh, we went to Kennebunk, to a place called Emmons Preserve in Kennebunk Port. I don't know the that Kennebunk one. Port Conservation Trust. Yeah, it's super. But obscure, there's plenty but of good preserves around here, so I trust that it is uh, beautiful. Like it had a labyrinth. It's geared towards children. It had a labyrinth oh, made wild. of stones that you could like walk through. Yeah, it was cool. Are we ready for another topic? I think, I think so. so. Yeah. Uh, my topic is Mr. Jaws, and I have a. Did you did you happen to watch this YouTube video? I need to. Not yet. Okay. It's it's like two minutes long, so let's... Yeah, let's just watch. So this, for context, this is like a radio single. This got play on the, the t- top 40 
Sheriff Brody, the shark will be back for lunch. What do you intend to do? Just arriving is oceanographer Matt Hooper. Sir, if someone is attacked by a shark, what should they do? We are going aboard the fishing boat of Captain Quint. Captain, will you be able to catch this giant shark? Thank you, Captain. Captain, Captain, Captain. When you catch one of these sharks, what do you feel like? Like a rhinestone cowboy. This is basically TikTok. Right. And that's Or you know, anything else now. It's just, hey, let's uh take uh stuff that other people made and then make a joke. Yeah, and that that was actually my reaction was that like this had to be a radio single in 1975 because TikTok didn't exist yet. Yeah, it's funny that like uh I don't know, like we all work in tech and usually uh when like I remember when Twitter came out, I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever. Basically anything new that comes out like in our sphere i'm like this the dumbest thing i've ever heard of i can't believe that we're doing this and i can't believe that the people making this are going to become rich i should become rich (laughs) i don't have any ideas like this because i think they're all dumb but it's too bad but then like oh hey we were doing we've been doing this forever or at least it's since 1975 Uh, i guess we should describe it um so this is a this is a two-minute track uh and the format is there's somebody who's interviewing characters from the movie Jaws about events in the movie Jaws, and all the responses to the interview questions are clips from hit songs from 1975. Yeah, it says topical an artifact, as I can imagine. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah, it, there's a very uh, has a very time band of relevance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, presumably it'll be in the show notes. Correct? Yeah, yeah. It's worth a listen. At least, you know, the first 30 seconds you'll get it and be like, like oh, I, weird. I think it's a good joke. And what gets, yeah, what, it is. what drives me wild about this is that this was the guts to number four on the Hot 100. And the Hot 100, like, as far as oh, I, wow, is like partly at least based on sales. Like, who would want to own this record? Like, yeah, I'm going to listen to it over and over again. Yeah. I think about that all the time. I guess now, like ninety, you know, the nineties are back with you know kids being interested in uh, that particular decade. But I think about that all the time with eighties music. Just how like every third song was a novelty song. Mm. You know, it seemed like uh, blinded me with science and all that kind of like. It's just like wow, that's, you can make a whole career just writing goofy songs. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a much bigger leg of the. <laughs> of the music industry than it is now. Yeah, well now now yeah, TikTok exists and there's that 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 appetite is is slaked there instead. Yeah. Or or limitless as it may turn out to be. Right. But I mean it, there is also like a, I mean to your question about like who's actually like yo let me put Mr. Jaws on and just vibe, you know, like like who's like <laughs> just trying to listen to this like like in their life, you know. I have actually been really surprised by how like repetitive, familiar, you know, two minute chunks of sound. Like I do just like enjoy listening to, even if they're not terribly coherent or musical, you know? What's that example? Well, I mean, the one I'm thinking of is there's a, um, there's a, they might be giants album. It's the one that has the, you know, the giant squid fighting on the cover, but it is, it has a song. I think that's the album. It has a song called fingertips. That is actually like a very large number of much smaller songs. And each one is its own track. Oh yeah. They're all right next to each other on the, on the album. But I believe the idea in sort of classic, they might be giants, like formalist experimentation, you know, way was that it would be a, like you'd hit shuffle on the album. And then these like 15 weird little, like, seriously like four to five second long songs would just get sprinkled everywhere in your listening experience oh i see just hear them sometimes and then they would go away uh and they're all like kind of these like just atomically subdivided into their like just fundamental like hookness pieces of music like they weren't actually just noise or anything but they were like kind of catchy in a way anyway the weird thing is like most people who had this album, I didn't do listen to them that way. I just listened to the album and then fingertips would come on and it would be a weird song made of five second songs and then it would be over. Eventually. Right, right, right. But I can sing fingertips from, from start to finish <laughs> from memory. I know all whatever it is, 15 songs. 
and the order they come in, but I just think of them as one song. And they that's what Mr. Jaws reminds me of. Yeah, I could see know? that. Because it's a bunch of these like super atomized little exchanges and little tiny chunks of music, but it's not that long. I mean, it's two minutes, you know, like you can just sort of. And two minutes in 1975 is not two minutes in 2020. <laughs> so in got, terms of like, what you're willing to like pay attention to. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, presumably this wasn't the only, it wasn't just sold as a single, you know, there were other, you know, and I remember being in middle school and high school and, um, you know, people would talk about like Adam Sandler, uh, obviously Adam Sandler wasn't played on the radio. It was, you know, way too, they'd have to censor the whole thing, but. Um, too blue. Yeah, it's, it's way too blue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, hey, it's a, it's a joke song. And it, 1975, the only way you were going it, to, it's not like you could load it up on YouTube and listen to it, right? It, like we have, we're able to treat stuff like this as disposable. You listen to it and you're like, okay, cool. And you can like send a link to someone maybe, but you don't have to actually own it if you want to hear it again. Right, you know? right. And you, yeah, you don't have to like seek it out even really. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you don't. This this is sort of the house that uh, uh, Weird Al built, right? Sure, like for sure. Like, we're we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna plant the flag for this being like actual, you know, culturally relevant yeah. artwork. Yeah, well, I uh, think the like the the biggest difference between what Weird Al was doing and this sort of thing is that Weird Al was making music, and music sure was music you can listen to again and again, and it 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 makes sense to the human brain. Right, right. Yeah, no, this is definitely. Only barely music. <laughs> <laughs> can something be not music if it contains music? What if there's a cardboard box with music in it? Is the cardboard box also music? Right. Are games art because they contain painted assets? <laughs> that's, oh, geez. that's my definition of art. It has to be painted <laughs> assets. <laughs> I will say I am pretty impressed by the amount of work that went into the cover art of yeah. Dickie Goodman's <laughs> Mr. Jaws. It is... Um, almost certainly been photoshopped quite a bit since the the days that it adorned a seven inch release but the actual photograph that was made that was taken for of uh, presumably of, of our man dicky here in a lifeboat uh replete with all of his favorite you know man cave items like his record player and his popcorn <laughs> and his rotary phone uh they went ahead and they did the amity island uh life preserver yeah uh, Yep. Good eye. They wanted it. Whoever worked on that on that photo shoot may have worked harder than than Dickie himself did on this piece of music. <laughs> well, that that's that's another thing we could have talked about is like what would it take like we know what it takes to make this whatever two minute clip you call it in twenty twenty two. What would it take to make this in nineteen seventy five? Oh my god. I hadn't even I mean I mean a reel to reel Yeah. That's yeah, no, yeah, you, you could totally that's how you do it. But like, do you yeah. think this guy owned all these? Is he a DJ? Does he have just has? He's it? got a whole situation in his boat here. Yeah, I feel he might be able to get it done. His know? his <laughs> gimmick is that he DJs from a dinghy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where he chops it up. You know, right, that's where right. He does his mixing. Yeah. <laughs> are we ready for another topic? Yeah, sure. For this topic, we are doing the poem "Distant Regard" by Tony Hoagland. Would either of you like to read this poem, or shall I? Take it away, Jim. Okay. If I knew I would be dead by this time next year, I believe I would spend the months from now until then writing thank you notes to strangers and acquaintances, telling them, you were a really great travel agent, or I never got the taste of your kisses out of my mouth, or watching you walk across the room was part of my destination. It would be the equivalent, I think, of leaving a chocolate wrapped in shiny foil on the pillow of a guest in a hotel, Hotel of Earth, where we resided for some years together. I started to say before I realized it is a terrible cliche and stop and then and then go on, forgive myself in a mere split second, because now that I'm dying, I just go forward like water, flowing around obstacles and second thoughts, not getting snagged, just continuing with my long list of thank yous, which seems to naturally expand to include sunlight and wind and the aspen trees which gleam and shimmer in the yard, as if grateful for being soaked last night by the irrigation system invented by an individual to whom I am quietly grateful. Outside it is autumn, the philosophical season, when cold air sharpens the intellect, the hills are red and copper in their shaggy mag majesty, the clouds blow overhead like governments and years. It took me a long time to understand the phrase distant, distant regard, but I am grateful for it now, and I am grateful for my heart that turned out to be good after all, and I am grateful for my mind, to which, in retrospect, 
I can see I've, I have never been sufficiently kind. Uh, so I like that a lot. I, um, just the idea of expressing gratitude to things, I think is really important for the human psyche. Mm -hmm. And I try to do it as much as I can. I was just listening to a podcast with Ken Jennings on it called The Omnibus Project. And Ken was talking about how he's Mormon and he prays as part of his practice. And part of prayer is just thanking God for the things that you appreciate about your life. And I had never been taught to pray. I never knew mm. that. I thought it was like making a list of demands. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and so I never realized that like that secular Americans, we had to come around to this idea of gratitude. Our, we had to like reinvent it because sure. people who don't pray don't have that part of their lives where they think about the things that they're grateful for automatically right, as, as like part a, of their like a like a prescribed ritual that you just always go through around yeah. dinner time or something where you do that yeah right yeah 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 it's interesting uh so i was raised with religion i don't i didn't keep it um but i feel like a lot of the, i don't know philosophical underpinnings uh, like you know being grateful just being someone who it, uh gratitude flow like not being stingy with gratitude let it flow from you um, a lot of that stuff I uh, kept, and uh, now that I'm a parent, I wonder. Like we're we don't go to church. We're not raising our daughter with any particular religion, but I wonder how much of uh, you know parts of me that I like that I think make me a better person um, came from that experience. And I'm you know yeah yeah. I mean, besides this, this poem is uh, obviously pretty heavy, um, but it does you know it's heavy for more than the face value. I think it's, yeah, I think it's really important. And because I wasn't raised religious, I kind of came to this stuff in my adult life. I feel like I'm in a better position to figure out how to relay it to my son. I'm in a similar situation with music where like I was surrounded by music as a kid for my whole life. Like, and I, and I think of myself as a musician, but I haven't actually practiced being a musician much in the past 10 years and almost mm -hmm. not at all around my son. And as a result, he's just so far doesn't really care that much about music. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I actually made the, made a point of like, okay, let's figure this shit out. I'm going to, we, we just, we sing to him at, uh, before bed. I'm going to take a guitar into bedtime. I know a few chords. I'm going to figure out how to play this thing and just figured out the chord progressions to the songs that we sing. And it's mm -hmm. it's easier than easier than it would be for for a more complicated music because kids' music tends to be really simple, so that's nice. Sure. Right, and it's been really rewarding. Not like he doesn't seem to give a shit, <laughs> but <laughs> but I feel like I, I I can actually play and sing like I can play guitar and sing a song at the same time for the first time in my life, and that's then it took like two weeks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> which is, yeah. which wouldn't be the case if I was starting from nothing, but but I had you know played on and off a little bit for my whole life, so that's been that's been really cool actually. But yeah, it's it's a uh, when you value something in yourself and you're not sure how you got there, and you right. like look at your child and you're like, how can I figure out how do I get this part of my life? How do I convey that? It's how do I reverse engineer this thing that appears to have just kind of like appeared in my, in my meanness, yeah. you know, uh, sort of because of countless little things that were not planned, you know, yeah. how do I like inception, inception this into my, into my spawn's brain? You know, I mean like the, the thing about music and I think about like a lot of art in general is, you know, little, little bits of exposure is really all you like just to show that something is possible. And I, I, so I find myself thinking about something else I, I got from my parents. So my dad is a very private guy and my mom is very chatty. And yeah. if we would go out to eat, I could see how like, um, I don't know, guarded my dad was, but you know, when the server would come around to the table, my mom would be chatting with him. And I always thought, Oh, that's like that. That seems more fun. And I think I uh, just seeing, um, those two different like possible directions on display at the time. Um, I think I sort of intentionally started copying, uh, you know, my mom and how she, uh, you know, talks to other people, talks to strangers. 
And so I find myself thinking about that and thinking about, oh, being raised with religion and now I don't have it. And, you know, what does that mean for my daughter? And thinking about, you know, you, Jim, playing music um, for your son. And in our house, too, music is all over the place. Um, and just that these, like, little bits of exposure are prob probably all that's needed. So if I'm thinking about, oh, how can I, you know, we're not, I was forced to be in a situation, you know, going to church every week and all this other kind of stuff of like, uh, you know, being immersed in these certain ideas about how to be, you know, it's probably enough to just little bits of exposure to just, you know, okay, well, we say thank you and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to go out to eat and you're going to see how we talk to the server and it's all going to be good. And it's just me worrying about it. And I'm sure you two are the same when you're a parent, especially I think with young children. It's just like, oh, man, I really hope I cannot screw this up. It's not I hope I don't. <laughs> well, it is I hope I don't screw this up. But also, yeah. like, I really cannot screw this up. Really dire. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, I've been thinking about this because we have had music sort of like instruments around our house. And there have been times when I was like, oh, let me like pick up the guitar and try to learn how to play it. But it's not like we like have a lot of habitual playing of like like actual making of music that goes on in our home. Mm -hmm. um, and and having, you know, taught myself some guitar last year, like I, I definitely was like, oh, it's a good thing that I'm like a grown up who's like already taught themselves a large number of really hard things uh, mm. because I know I know what the journey up the mountain sort of is supposed to feel like. And I understand that there are parts that are unpleasant. Oh, you yeah. Know? Um, and I'm I'm able to kind of keep the faith that like I'm going to get paid on the other side of this investment for longer than your average say five-year-old you know mm -hmm. and i was thinking about how i came to just be someone who draws a lot you know and and got good enough at drawing to be paid for it and it it as far as i could tell i just always loved it more than anything no matter how good the drawings were mm -hmm. you know so like from from when i was four like i have a comic i drew about a dinosaur when i was four that I, like in my possession and it's like it's obvious that like I was having a blast <laughs> and I, and I remember drawing that comic. I remember the day it happened too. And, and the way it felt. And it's just like, you know, I was basically like, you're telling me you're just going to keep giving me paper and crayons and I could just keep doing this, <laughs> you know, like as much as I want. And because of that, I was, you know, I did it a lot and I got good at it. Right. I, I don't think it's actually a hugely more complicated than that because it was a freestanding thing I loved that I just would do anyway. And mm -hmm. I've tended to project that model onto how do I teach my kids to love things? And I think that's probably the wrong way to do it. Sure. You know, because things like, I mean, some people are going to have things like that and that's great, but like, I probably would have loved to play guitar as a younger person mm -hmm. if I had had someone shepherd me through up the mountain a little bit. Yeah. Right? And like extrinsically motivate me with stickers or something for like 15 minutes of play at a time, which is something my brother does with his son, you know, until I got over that hump of like, oh, I'm actually just enjoying this on its own terms just because I'm doing it, you know, and then that perpetual motion machine can kind of get running. Right. But I think it kind of needed a kickstart that like, you know, was never really provided. Right. Uh, and so I'm starting to think like, I really need to start providing those, that scaffolding, you know, to my kids on stuff that, you know. They may not have that just instantaneous, like, I will make sounds with the strings as long as you let me to let me do it, you know, love for the just the act of doing it. Yeah, the the letting the kid make the sound on the strings is a definitely a tougher ask, indefinitely rather, is definitely a tougher ask than letting them, letting them draw forever. Right, right, exactly. It turns out I'm really good at ignoring sounds, so like, I just need to get my wife to leave the house. <laughs> uh, before we move on to the next topic, Adam... Subsequently, in the next part of the podcast I was talking about, the other guy on the podcast talked about how they had had Ken over for dinner, and his daughter was really enamored with the idea of saying grace, just the ritual of it. Mm -hmm. And so now, before dinner, they'd make a point to thank the like the people who made the food and the people who bought the food sure. and the people yeah, who yeah, farmed, yeah. farmed the food and like the chicken who died. And I think- that's not only just a good idea in general. I think it might be worth trying for you specifically. Yeah, that's a good point. So when I'm working, I often listen to um, documentaries. Uh, I think I listen to documentaries the way that most people listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. A lot of mm -hmm. like history and stuff. And one of the things I take away is like, there's really uh, this whole thing is a house of cards. I mean, how like the last like five years I've been like, oh, wow, art 
so much of our um, society is like honor system. It's basically just been a gentleman's agreement this whole time. And <laughs> yeah. Very few reasons that any of this should be here. So uh, I, I already like do that sort of thing, I think. Uh, yeah. But yeah, sharing it with my daughter is absolutely like, like having a formal time when we do that. That would make so much sense. Yeah. Civilization is just something we agreed to do. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. Yeah, and some people are renegotiating the deal. <laughs> they are. They is not going the way they hoped it would. Obviously, Jim, feel free to cut this. I feel like we don't get too current eventsy, but like this whole thing about Trump taking nuclear documents, I. It really usually like all of the stuff over the past five years has just left me seething or depressed or whatever. But this one thing. I feel like I collapsed in on myself like a black hole and was just like, wow, what a time to be alive. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I have no words for this and I'm just enjoying it on like, this is, this is pure absurdity. Wow. Yeah. You could be grateful for that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll say grace for it tonight. Yes. Uh, last Dang. topic of the evening. Adam, your topic is having very tight standards that you hold in one part of your created life that you totally ignore in other parts. Yeah. Okay. So this is like, I will preface everything I'm about to say with, I know like logically this is stupid. This is utter bullshit. Uh, I am an art director and I have um, pretty firm, a pretty firm belief that when you're figuring out uh, an art style for a game, you can't make decisions without having a reason, right? Like, you have to be considering, you know, what the what the player experience is supposed to be, and the narrative, and and um, the mechanics, and everything. And then you design visuals that help uh, the narrative designer, help the game designers, help everybody, like help all of their work come across. As 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 someone as a visual designer, you are a uh, supporting role. And you are trying to help. Players need to know how to play the game. They should be able to look at a screenshot and in five seconds, like, get the deal. Broadly speaking, like, what's the deal? Yeah. There's nothing arbitrary, right? It, it, is all, it is all design. Design with a capital D. So that's how I approach my professional work. But then, uh, so I'm also a musician. The most recent band I was in, it was a garage punk band. It's super throwbacky, And there's, like, whenever I see people um, talk about game art, and they're like, oh, I went with this art style because I like it. I uh, just feel such deep, visceral sadness in my soul. <laughs> and then, but meanwhile, I'm like, oh, it's a throwback rock band. <laughs> just like, it is such blatant hypocrisy. There is no, because what's the difference? I'm in a, I was in a garage punk band because I like it and because it's fun. Because it's w wicked easy to play. You want to talk about easy music to play? <laughs> so easy so fun you can be half paying attention and drunk and you can still get through every single song it's great uh, i do not think that this is an this is an intellectually bankrupt stance for you to be taking at uh, all okay. i think that there are a lot of differences between the two things that you're talking about and for for one like one of them you're doing professionally for a large intended audience and the other one yeah. you're doing for fun for probably no audience at all that <laughs> often yes well it's like a process versus product distinction is the first thing that leaps out at me right is that sure. like when i'm when i'm making art for games i am enjoying you know some percentage of that work but i am not enjoying other fairly large percentage yeah. of that work like 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 particularly like ui design and stuff where it's like every pixel on the screen is trying to like convey a large amount of information that is impossible to misunderstand it's volatile and it's changing constantly and you've got all these customers for what you're doing that need to be satisfied and like it's it's hard and unpleasant often right you were you were not in a garage punk rock band i i, I assume because you wanted to like record the songs and then sit around listening to them all the time right yeah right you were like i like you know rocking out just literally the act of playing and I'm trying to like maximize yield under the curve of like, I am here with an instrument and my friends, what would be the most fun we could have, right? Sure. <laughs> and the answer for you was those, and for them, I guess, was those things. And I don't know, like that that feels like a, a, a really a horse of a different color, you know, from from the kind of creative decisions you make in the in the context of, of, of like you said, Jim, something with an audience uh, and, and, and particularly something that's going to be monetized, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, 
Adam, I'm not convinced that there aren't arbitrary aspects of what you're you're choosing as an artist, you know? Like, I think you're right about the overall sort of philosophy of like, look, there's just like, everything's got to fit into like a pretty constrained space of like mm-hmm. all the jobs it's got to successfully like perpetrate, you know? But there is space within that box, right? Like there are like at a certain point, you're like, should this be warm or cool in palette, you know? And it's not actually... Like you could, you could convince yourself in retrospect that you're you're hanging it off of like a you know a really heavily motivated sort of narrative idea or something, but some percentage of that stuff is just like I don't know. I thought it looked dope, right? Is it? I'm not. I don't know. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but like I I feel that in my own work because I tend to subscribe, you know, to what you're saying. But then I'm like, oh, I I actually just did that because I thought it looked cool. Uh, yeah, I. Adam, I can think of I can think of aspects of your work where you were just fucking around. And it fit the project because it's a kind of a fucking around kind of project. On on yeah, on the project we're working on, sure. Yeah. A lot of what I've said to the other artists, one of the things I say often is we want to get it pretty good, but also we're not getting steam we're not gonna get steam review bombed on this, so we don't really have to worry about blah. So just <laughs> give it your best shot and whatever. The audience for this game will be happy even if it's even a little bit fun. Yeah, exactly. But this this conversation is making me realize that that with audience comes for me personally, with an audience comes adherence to uh, the framework I was talking about. Right, that mentality of like yeah. every I got to earn every one of these choices. Yes. Uh I got to be able to hang these off of something like thoughtful. Yeah, I I also have found as a creative person doing stuff for audiences that I I often just to kind of get things, I kind of have to find my way in to, to like a creative project, you know, Mm -hmm. and all the good stuff that could happen in the project is like, you know, a giant hovering like ball of rock or something. Like I've got to find like a little hole that I can kind of sneak in, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and then once I'm in there, I can kind of be tunneling around and finding stuff and it'll be great, but I got to like start, you know? And I often find that the easiest kind of way to breach is to just go with something that I like the same way you like punk rock mm-hmm. sure yeah sure. like right like like with jamestown i was like look i like pixel art i can't explain why you know like yeah like i had a childhood that involved it or something you know but like i respond to it and so i would like to do i would like this to be pixel art okay great what kind of games do i think of when i think about pixel art you yeah, know sure. we talk you know think about doing a shmup but then i kind of like once i'm like okay like here's a thing i'm excited to work on because of that sort of like just visceral aesthetic appeal stuff right? Then I kind of have to work backwards and be like, all right, but like, if I'm making these choices, like, how do I, how do I activate them? Right? How do I make it look like I chose them because they enabled this other, you know, more, more potent expression of this, some other idea, right? Like what ideas are these tools best geared towards expressing? And then, you know, if I do my job, right, when it's all done, it, it, it might pass for something that was, that was sort of conceived as like, well, I want to express this idea right? Yeah. Perfectly. And then I like, what are the tools that would be best? I guess pixel art and a shmup, you know? And then like, it would mm-hmm. feel like maybe I, I, I went that about it that way, but much more often it's kind of a stone soup of like, what do I feel like doing? What am I kind of interested in right now? How do I kind of pull these things together into something coherent and try mm-hmm. to sharpen it into this thing that feels much more like what you're talking about? You know, it's, I'm, I'm also, I'm realizing now hearing you talk about that stuff, Mike is like, um, I don't make my own games. You know, I work on other people's games. I'm a mm. contractor. And uh, I really like hearing about that process from you that, uh, you know, like, what what do I have? I mean, it's like drawing, like your story about drawing when you were a boy. I was the same way, by the way, that like, I can't explain it. I just am compelled to do this. And, you know, right. you, finding finding the thing that you're just compelled by when you start a new project, um, that is such a good way of going about it. And I, I never get to really have that experience because usually it's a designer or a programmer or whatever, you know, gets in touch with me and says, Hey, I've got this idea for a game and I need a visual designer. What's, are you available? You know? Right. Um, so I don't know, I guess what I'm saying really is I, I'm coming back to it. This It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> no. Don't hire me. <laughs> That's it. You heard it. You heard it here first on the most popular t- uh, podcast on the internet because people are hungry for topics. Let's be honest. And this is the only place you can get them. Where indeed would they find topics being discussed? Tonight? 
Uh, don't worry. Even if everybody who hears you say that actually decides, you know what? I'm not going to hire this motherfucker. <laughs> uh, you're still going to be fine. Okay. <laughs> and I will say, I mean, you know, the, the freedom to like, you know, when you're working on your own projects to just kind of like follow your nose and kind of find your own way in and, and, and sort of whatever, have this kind of holistic control of what it's going to turn out to be like, I mean, that's like way, I mean, that's challenging and everything, but it's way easier in a lot of ways than, than having someone drop like, like an overconstrained problem space in your lap and be like, solve this, you know, <laughs> and it has to check the following 60 boxes somehow, you know, uh, and then having to kind of be beholden to the, all those requirements and being able to justify every decision and everything like that. The contractor mm -hmm. problem solver life, you know, is, um, I think harder, <laughs> you know, like at least it's hard in a different way, but it's, it's yeah, really hard in hard. a different way. Uh, when my wife and I were still working together, we started the studio to make our own games and you know, I do, you both we all do. We all yep. do. <laughs> We all do. We all nod and smile when someone's like, yeah, main games is hard. We're like, yes, yes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but then, then you do it and you're like, oh, no, no, no. It's really hard, guys. <laughs> uh, that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. Right. Adam, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? I post a lot about game dev stuff and dad stuff and, I don't know, going for walks around Maine on Twitter uh, at Adam DeGrandis. And that's probably and Mike, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? I am on Twitter, also occasionally posting about dad stuff and game stuff. Uh, and, and I'm on kind of a movie stuff terror right now. Oh. Uh, at Mike Ambrogi. You'll just have to look at the show notes for the spelling. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's spelled like it sounds. Yeah, you think you think. Buddy. I I will be honest. I have wondered how to pronounce your name, Mike, and I did. But I was also like, "Hey, how do you say your last name?" It felt like such a dumb thing to say. It's it, I don't know. And now that I'm saying it out loud, it's like I should have just asked. Like the first day, it would have been totally fine. Well, it's also only nominally my last name. Like my last, I took my wife's name, right, Primo. You know, so I have this weird like middle name that I keep for professional reasons. And yeah, anyway, it's uh, what are you gonna do? Thanks so much for being on. Thank you Thanks for having us. Yeah, it was fun. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!